Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I hope you and yours had a great holiday season, celebration of Christmas and the launch of a new year. I'm excited about this year. We're already almost one month into the 12 months. It's hard to believe. But for me, 2020 is a year when things come into focus, when things come into acute view. That's my prayer for myself, my prayer for you as well. I want to welcome all those who are listening in England. It's cool to see the number of people that are listening literally throughout the country uh, in that great country. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I want to encourage you, if you're convinced and convicted as a listener, to spread the good word about Rocks. We seek each week to bring relevant topics, a lot of in-depth study, thought-provoking ideas, but most importantly, to bring that element of peace into your life, to advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Today's podcast, The F-Bomb, The Profane Profaned. Now, you may ask yourself, why on earth are we talking about the F-Bomb or the F-Word? But you most likely, as I have, have noticed that the F-bomb is, is being used more and more frequently every day. As a matter of fact, I was talking to someone who works in a very professional environment in a very professional high-rise building, large company, very successful. And they told me that the F-bomb is used prolifically among all the business professionals that they work around. It's so common that this person told me, you just get used to it. You listen to television programs on things other than the network broadcast television, and they use the F-bomb liberally. Netflix, I've stopped even trying to watch their original productions because you can't count 30 seconds into any of their shows, basically, that you don't encounter the F-bomb. And let me say, having grown up in a household where a father was a Texas rounder, as I've shared already in this podcast, he came to Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior just two weeks before he passed at the age of 78. And so as a kid growing up on a Texas deer lease, a 2,000-acre ranch owned by Mrs. Moon, uh, being around all those cats, sitting around those campfires every night, after we'd come in from the day's hunt, that uh, I heard the F-bomb prolifically. And so before you begin to say, well, Kenny, you're a pastor, you're a preacher, you're a ministry leader, and uh, you're just too sensitive, and uh, you need to grow up. This is a new world, and uh, it's not that big a deal. It's another word that people use to express everything from love and hate, agitation to (laughs) adulation, And yet I want to say that I don't care how long I live, I will never get used to the F-bomb being used. Well, let's cut to the chase. What's happened? What's happened to our society? I really began to mull this over, began to do some internet research, typed into Google when the profane becomes common, trying to get my mind around what has happened. In doing that, it's interesting that Google led me to a book by Patrick O'Connor entitled Dorita, Profanations. 
And the title profanations of the book is a term that O'Connor coined and trying to come up with a concept that when the profane has been profaned. And so profane in normal sense has to do with that which is irreligious, that which is irreverent, that which is common as compared to that which is sacred or other. In other words, having to do with God. And so you have this division of sacred and profane. But yet, Patrick O'Connor, after reading his book, I, at first I thought he was a Christian in defense against Jacques Derrida's concept that everything is brought down mundane, everything by nature is common, that there is no other. But upon reading his book, I actually discovered that O'Connor is atheist. And so if you want to know, dear people, in a nutshell, what has happened, why the proliferation of the most profane cuss word used by people across the board without no holds barred is because I'm going to give it to you straight simply is because of a generation of teaching that there is no God through Darwinism that we have eliminated in the social thinking in the personal thinking of the concept of a God of God at all. And so through Darwinism, we have eradicated the sacred. Darwinism teaches that everything developed from here and morphed out through evolution. And so you have in Darwinism the total abolition, the eradication on, of the concept of deity, especially deity of that of a creator God to whom mankind as a creature of that creator God is responsible. And so what we are now living is a generation into the full absorption of Darwinism in the public schools in higher level thinking. And the end result is now being demonstrated by mouths that have no shame in anything that's said anytime, anywhere. Talking to people who work in professional environments where people are vastly ed educated, where you think that they would have enough wherewithal to with, withhold or restrain from using such harsh language, that obviously by their use of such harsh language in the common ordinary workplace, not even a necessarily a time of distress, that is demonstration that the most profane of all profanity, the F-bomb, has been brought low, has been made common. But because the mindset there is no God. There is nothing other. There's no life beyond. All that we know is being birthed, dying, birthing and dying, creating destruction, dissolving. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that O'Connor, Patrick O'Connor, a lot of the words that keep coming up, all are very negative, very heavy. Deconstruction, that means to tear down. It's like one day I was passing on Main Street in the town I moved from, Euless, Texas, and the Starbucks, which was a perfectly good building, had not been built that long ago, had been impacted by, <clears throat> excuse me, had been impacted by the widening of the main bridge that feeds the city of Euless. And so when they widened the road, they lost quite a bit of their parking lot. And so 
Starbucks closed up for quite some time. The building sat there, beautiful building. One day I'm over at the Sonic, a couple buildings over, getting a burger and a shake. And all of a sudden I see this giant claw come crashing down from behind the trees and began to just devour that Starbucks building that was perfectly good. So I got him, put my truck in reverse, drove around through the parking lot, went into the gas station parking lot that was next to the Starbucks, pulled up and just watched in amazement as they took this perfectly good Starbucks building and began to devour it with this giant, it was like a giant uh, backhoe. But literally this machine was so large, it was able to take a perfectly good building and in no time completely take it down to the concrete slab. It was shocking. They didn't even bother to clean all of the good things out of the building. It was just completely taken down like garbage and carried away. And then, because they're so rich, they built another building there, and it was a Starbucks. Totally insane. But what an image of what has happened to our culture through Darwinism that the abolition of deity, the abolition of God, the abolition of other has caused a complete deconstruction of the human mind. There's no sacred, according to Darwinism. But O'Connor uses words that really, talking about corruptible, common, ordinary, dissolved, irreducible mortality, no divine, everything subject to alteration. And so this very gloomy, very hopeless view of man's plight, man's condition, and man's future. And so I got my answer from Patrick O'Connor's book, The Most Unusual of Places, as to what happened. But it's interesting, I, I really can't believe that he actually revealed his thinking on this and how all of this works by revealing that the pivot point, he says the, the perfect example with deconstruction that it follows that nothing may be held as sacred or pure. He says the example of Christianity is extremely relevant here. He says this is because it offers one of the most sophisticated accounts of the ways in which sacralization is transgressive in itself. Now that's how he sees Christianity, that the sacralization is transgressive in itself. He goes on to say the radicalism of Christianity is that it is not restricted to particular worlds. Indeed, it constructs itself out of the transgression of worlds, as evidenced in the analysis of the story of the Good Samaritan that he says he'll undertake in this chapter. However, this transgression is founded on a desire. Now, folks, this is fundamental. This is paramount. This is what he sees, but it's also the truth. He said, however, this transgression is founded on a desire to make immune and self-present all of the worlds. What this logic of immunization achieves is a fixing of identities as sacred and non-perishable. He then makes this horrible statement. This is anathema to the logic of profanation. If you want to know why the F-bomb has become prolific, if you want to know why the violence in our country, in our world, is at an all-time high, if you want to know why suicide among white males is at an all-time high, if you want to know why suicide among teens is at an all-time high, that 
it's because that the concept of profanation has taken over. In other words, making the profane mundane, making it ordinary, the dissolving of the concept of a God, which leaves mankind in a very hopeless estate. But it's interesting that O'Connor gets it right in the fact that what Christ did is he immunized the world. He goes on to say that profanation testifies that there's nothing sacred to begin with, whereas Christianity is wholly restricted to a logic of sacralization, which endeavors to sacralize all possible identities within the world. Therefore, that which is totemic, pagan, and scattered in the midst of the world may become wholly integrated, unified, and immune from opposition and contestation throughout the world-transcending unity of Christianity. And folks, what O'Connor has sniffed out, what he has picked up on is the fact that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross put the pause button on God's divine wrath against fallen man and has placed the world that you and I now live in into a bubble that the Bible calls grace, okay, that through the work of Christ on the cross, God has put the pause button on his judgment against an unruly, sinful, degraded, lost man and mankind, that he's put the pause button on his judgment, on his wrath. And so therefore today we see mankind, people doing hideous things, and people will cry out, well, if there's a God, why do such things occur? But dear friend, that what has happened is with the work of Christ on the cross, he immunized the world and he declared everything his. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And by that, he made everything sacred. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about sin and murder, rape, adultery, polygamy, all of these horrible things. He did not make them pure, but he took ownership of the world. It all belongs to him. The old hymn, this is my father's world. It's true. So he says that which is totemic, talking about those things like worshiping totem poles and paganism and scattered in the midst of a world may become wholly integrated, immunized from opposition and contestation through the world transcending unity of Christianity. The decisive moment of this, I argue, I think about this, what he's saying. The decisive moment of this, I argue, is the death and resurrection of Christ, which remains wholly inconsistent with an unfailing deconstructive analysis. So see, he's taken his mindset and the mindset of Jacques Derrida, and now it actually has become the mindset of the world. He has made it hard, fast law. He considers it unfailing deconstructive analysis. And so he finds the ob objection against the death and resurrection of Christ as being wholly inconsistent. Why? Because he's established his own laws that now stand against Christ and all that he is. He goes on to say, this is because what underlines Christ's sacrifice. Now, let me listen real quick, quickly before I go any further. Here is a person who is an atheist who clearly sees the pivot point of Christianity. 
Now, let me say he rejects it, but he clearly sees the pivot point of Christianity. He says this is because what underlies Christ's sacrifice is its intermingling of anything which is both sacred and profane of life and of death in the world and beyond the world of time and of the eternal. All identities are subject to a deeper level of sacralization and Christianity. All that is profane is metaphorically speaking immunized. All things are made sacred. This testifies to the resilience of Christianity as well to its delocalizing drive. This drive is formulated through charity which functions through the transgression of all particular home worlds. For my part, I argue that deconstruction wholly contests the sacred and sacrificial core at the heart of Christianity. Folks, he fully understands what Christ came, what Christ did. That Christ pulled the plug on death for those who will receive life through his death, burial, and resurrection, his work on the cross. And he came in that which was considered profane. You and I in our fallen estate, like refuse, like garbage, like putrefied garbage. That What did he do? He went to the cross after living the perfect holy life, one that was set apart, one that committed no sin. He gripped the cross. He endured its shame. He bore the pain. He took the nails. He took the punishment for your fallenness and mine. He overwhelmed and overcame the punishment for you and for me. And he resurrected on the third day to demonstrate that God accepted his payment for our filthiness and that he overcame it. You see, he immunized the world. He says, for my part, I argue that deconstruction wholly contests the sacred and the sacrificial core of the heart of Christianity. If deconstruction is to happen, it requires the incessant perishing and passing of time and space. And likewise, nothing can remain sacred and inviolable. Therefore, the Christ figure is deconstructed to the core, and every deconstruction is a deconstruction of Christianity. There you have it in a nutshell. If you want to know why the F-bomb has prolifically taken over you can't go to a concert that they don't use it in concert but again not in a harsh way or maybe even an angry way it may be that you know an exclamation of praise if you want to know why the violence has spread to inconceivable levels if you want to know why people are taking their lives at a breakneck speed, it's because of the destruction of the concept of God, the destruction of deity in the minds of human beings. When you take God out of the picture, when you take the creator God out of the picture, and you tell a kid growing up that you're nothing but an organism that morphed into what you are, oh, and by the way, it's possible, as Stephen Hawking's declared and was Fearful of that it's possible that machines may actually overtake you and subdue you. And then you wonder why people are living out the Darwinistic mindset of, of nothing but just an animal. Right now, the highest form of animal. 
and people are acting like animals and people are speaking with filthy mouths in every, in every situation, it's because it's a rejection of Jesus Christ. It's a rejection of what he came and what he did. And so mankind is kicking against the goad. They're trying to back up on a historical event that actually happened. Jesus came to this earth. He is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the author of creation. He is the one that through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And that he is the God of the universe. And yet he did the most profane thing. Nowhere in history has it been recorded that another concept of a God came down and embraced the filthy. The world's religions are other. They're beyond. But Jesus transgressed the filth. Jesus transgressed, transgressed heaven to earth and came down and he became flesh and dwelt among us in that the mind of man finds that repulsive. As a matter of fact, I was talking to someone, and I think I may have shared this in an earlier podcast. As he opened the door, I saw some things on the wall that appeared to me to be Christian symbols. And as we began to talk, I immediately sensed that perhaps there was a commonality of belief. But at the point that I made the the statement that Jesus was the scapegoat, that he absolutely rejected that. He absolutely rejected the concept that Christ, who, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. He rejected the concept that Jesus the Christ died outside the city walls. He rejected the, the concept that the, the sin of mankind was placed on him and he was sent away beyond the city walls. But the reason why is because it's a repulsive to fallen man. It's counterintuitive, but yet that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And so today, folks, if you want to know what's going on, if you want to know why you're hearing so much of the use of the F-bomb and every other profane word is because God has been abolished in the minds of the children and the people who are now have grown up under Darwinism. And the end result is the eradication of anything concept of sacred and everything has been brought low. Everything is mundane. And the end result is lives of sadness, lives of, lives of grease, of, of grief, and lives of, of evil, and lives of harm, lives of hurt, not only to yourself, but to others. And so against that backdrop, dear people, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is very much alive. Jesus Christ absolutely did come into this world, and that he took the bull by the horns, and he subdued the world, and he owns the world, and it is his world, and that for those of us who will believe, he promises, promises us life eternal. He promises, a, pro, excuse me, he promises us a life of bliss, a life present with him in heaven forever to where it's wholly other. It's not like this place. It's one that's unmarred by sin. It's un, one unmarred by grief, one unmarred by tears, one unmarred by death one unmarred by racism, one unmarred by hate. You see, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The Apostle Paul says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. See, in the heavens, other, in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us and the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ for what? As a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. You see, Patrick O'Connor got it right, but yet Patrick O'Connor in his writing rejects that it actually happened. He rejects it as a concept to be torn apart. But yet the Apostle Paul reminds us that when Christ came and he came according to plan, he came according to love, he came according to God's good pleasure, he came according to the concept and mindset of a holy God, someone who's totally different than this world, that what to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. And so, dear friend, I want to encourage you today that if you've gotten loose with your language and if you use the F-bomb, and maybe you don't mean it in an angry or hateful way, you may use it as just another form of exclamation. But I want to remind you that historically it has been understood to be a profane word. It still is profane because there is a God who cares. There is a loving God who has more planned for us than a filthy mouth. And I don't want you to feel guilt by what I'm saying. I want you to feel a sense of confession and repentance and change. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter that you've used the word. That's done. What matters now is to say, God, help me. I want to be different. Now, I understand that as things become habit, it takes time sometimes for things to dissipate or to leave our behavior. But also sometimes as we take a concern before God, he delivers us immediately. I've seen this with people even who are severe alcoholic. Not all alcoholics are immediately delivered from the desire to continue to drink. But I've seen personally some people who when they prayed as alcoholics to be freed from the addiction to alcohol, it was immediate. And so my prayer for you If you've gotten loose with your your language and you use profanity, especially the F-bomb, that God would convict your heart, your mind would change, and your speech would change. I would encourage you uh, that if you work around people or if you're family and you become loose, that I would encourage you to do the big thing and to go to them and say, hey, you know, I just want you to forgive me that my speech has not mirrored what I believe in my heart about God and his presence and the things, this world being his world and the speech that I say is in front of him. And so I've asked him to forgive me for being loose with my language. And and I'm asking you to do the same thing. If you can do that, would you please forgive me for the way that I've spoken in front of you? 
Now, I know that for some it will be hard to do that because you understand if you lay that out there, it's going to immediately place you in a place of, of, of a responsibility and accountability to the one that you've spoken loosely in front of. But I do pray that you'll do it if you've been loose with your language. But also, I want to encourage you to be a champion for the, the reality that God is here, that this is my Father's world, to be a champion for the fact that Jesus Christ is very much alive and that he is very much creator savior and that he can save people from their sin and to go forward and to talk to your friends, your family, work associates about where they stand with Jesus Christ and to, to reach out to them in love, to give them a hope, to give them a, a freedom from uh, this burden that rests on them that's manifested by a wayward mouth and a wayward heart. You know, there was a, a book about the Arctic, and I believe the guy's name was Colonel Byrd. Uh, he wrote a book about uh, the time he spent up there, and I think it was in the 40s, um, seeing and testing how life is when you live in extreme isolation. But it's interesting that one thing that he wrote of early on is that he began to realize his use of profanity that he was saying out loud in this small isolated hut in the middle of the, the, the frozen North Pole that he realized that all the, the speech was doing was causing more uh, anxiety within himself because there was no one else to bear the speech. And so he discovered that when he stopped using profanity, that he actually was more productive in his work because his mind was not so agitated. He was actually feeding his own agitation by his speech. And so words do have power. And when we choose to think on the right things and allow our mouths to reflect godly things and hopeful things and beautiful things, then our hearts do change and it can have an impact to the very core of our being. So I want to encourage you today, share a good word with those around you. Be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Allow your, your, your mouth to model where you say that your heart is and realize that you can be a difference maker in the lives of desperate people who are all around you. And so with that, uh, I want to encourage you to be at peace. As we come into control of our mouths and our speech, it absolutely promotes equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. As we wrap up today's episodes, be sure to check the show notes. There you'll find hyperlinks to our podcast home base. You'll also find a hyperlink to the Christian Standard Bible uh, passage for today's podcast reference. Also, you'll find our ministry's website, how you can financially support this podcast. Also, the show's email address. If you have a question regarding anything that you've heard on any of our podcasts, I'll respond to you as soon as possible. Until next time, my friend, remember that Jesus Christ has overcome the world and that this is his world. I bid you peace. Peace.